Welcome to Points of Departure, a podcast from the Arkansas Global Changemakers in coordination with KUAF Public Radio, where we aim to place pressing social issues into global context and bring communities together to find local solutions to global challenges. My name is Lawrence Hare. I'm Associate Professor of History in the Fulbright College of Arts and Sciences. And my name is Rogelio Garcia Contreras. I am a teaching assistant faculty at the Strategy, Entrepreneurship, and Venture Innovation Department of the Walton College of Business. And I'm Lee Wood, General Manager of KUAF Public Radio. And we're your hosts for Points of Departure. Ciao e benvenuti ai punti di partenza. Grazie per essere con noi. Hello and welcome to another edition of Points of Departure. We have a very special episode today with great partners and friends of our Arkansas Global Changemakers Initiative. Uh, a couple of years ago, we received a, a study abroad capacity building grant from the U.S. State Department and World Learning. And uh, we have uh, used this uh, support to build a changemakers experience uh, network around the world. And one of these chapters have been developed at the University of Arkansas' very own uh, Rome Center. It is my great pleasure today to uh, welcome our distinguished guests. Lawrence, we have uh, uh, two great friends of our program here with us today. Yes, we're joined today. Uh, hi, Rogelio, by the way. We're, we're joined today by two um, wonderful faculty members from the University of Arkansas Rome Center. Uh, first is Camilla Lai, who is an adjunct professor in the Department of Political Science on the Fayetteville campus and a member of the Global Studies faculty at the University of Arkansas Rome Center. Camilla is a, has a storied career, an attorney, a journalist, a professor, uh, works extensively 20 years experience in human rights law, migration law, sustainable development, gender equality, a passionate advocate for human rights, and she is currently running the Changemakers Experience in Rome. Yes, hello, and uh, thank you for having me here. We're also joined by uh, Francesco Bedeschi, a member of the Faculty of Architecture at the Rome Center and is the director of the Rome Center. Uh, welcome to you both. Good afternoon. Hello. Hello. Francesco, can we start with you with a couple of questions? So first, to talk a little bit about the Rome Center. Now, as we understand it, this center has been around for quite some time, and it started as a, as a fairly small undertaking focused exclusively on architecture. Where is the Rome Center nowadays in terms of its offerings and uh, scope? Yes, Lawrence, uh, and by the way, thank you so much for having us on, on your show today. The Rome Center today is uh, at its uh, 32nd year of life. In 2019, we celebrated the 30th anniversary. And as you mentioned, the center was you know, created uh, as a satellite of the School of Architecture. But mm, back in 2016, the center has been moved uh, directly under the GSIE, the, the Graduate Studies International Education. And, it's becoming uh, a resource across campus. Mm, so today, obviously, after almost two years uh, in, into the pandemic, uh, we are happy to say that we are resuming our operations. Uh, we are currently hosting uh, uh, about 60, almost 70 students, uh, not only for, from architecture. We have students from the uh, fashion department, we have students from the Walton College, we had students uh, from the nursing program uh, in the fall, 
as well as the global studies students. So we're trying to get back on track after, again, a couple of years that were, you know, dramatic for everyone, but particularly for our study abroad programs. I think it's fair to say that, that the Rome Center has been a leader in getting the university back on track in terms of global engagement and study abroad. More, more students, I mean, to have 70 students when we're still struggling to run faculty-led programs abroad, that's, that's quite an achievement. It's not just U of A students, right? You have students from all over. Yeah, we, we have some solid partnerships. The most important one uh, is with the Thomas Jefferson University. So right now, about 40% of the students who are in Rome are from Thomas Jefferson. Uh, but we still have other partners. We, ha we have a, a solid partnership with RPI, Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, uh, Mississippi State University, um, University of Tennessee. So yeah. we, we hope that uh, the next academic year, uh, we will be back on our normal operations. The summer looks great, by the way. In the summer, we are expecting more than 150 students, wow. which would make maybe one of the highest summer we ever had. So the future is bright, obviously, considering all the circumstances. That's right. Well, th this raises a fundamental question. The Rome Center is, is so well attended. Italy is the number one study abroad destination for, for University of Arkansas students. W tell me, in your opinion, why Rome is such an attractive destination? Well, Rome is a, such an attractive destination because uh, of uh, the tradition linked to the Grand Tour uh, and the presence of some important uh, um, international academic institutions. The first of all is the American Academy, which, as you know, offered the Rome Prize, now the Prix de Rome, but not only. Just to give you an idea and to help uh, our people who is listening to us to understand uh, the size of this of this uh, presence. Um, in Italy, there are 150 American universities that have their program accredited with the Italian authorities. Of this 150, 60% of the programs are in Rome. The other 50% are in Florence. So you have these two poles, mm. okay, Florence and Rome, that really represents the, the destinations. Florence obviously related also to some, uh, you know, the legacy of the arts and being uh, such an important Renaissance city. Rome, uh, Rome is caput mundi. I mean, it's uh, the city that in a certain way, you know, polarize uh, the international experience from the Anglo-Saxon world in a certain way. So, and we have academies from Germany, from England. So, so Rome is definitely an important destination. Rome is also a node of, of, of a global network of large metropolitan areas. Yeah, Being we... the capital of Italy, you have, uh, you know, presence of uh, all sorts of institutions, from government to uh, international, like the UN has uh, three facilities in Rome, international research centers uh, from all fields, from medical to science to political, all the embassies. So you understand that the opportunities are huge. Well, you, you and I have talked about this for years as we've been building curricula and increasing programming at the Rome Center. And that, that notion of Rome as a hub in Europe and, and a global hub has been an important part of that. Can you, can you say just a word about the way that your planning for the Rome Center has tried to capitalize on that status? I mean, obviously, the pandemic has shown 
an embedded fragility in a, a certain type of model of study abroad. The model that was developed in the 70s, in the 80s, in which, you know, university would just send the students to admire the pantheon or the ruins uh, or just to enjoy the beauty of the antiquity. Unfortunately, no, it's changing. We live in a globalized world. So, you know, the idea of uh, um, being connected to the reality of the world, of the international world, it's key. So we as a program are trying to grow and to create more and more opportunities for our students and our faculty as well, our colleagues from the United States, to intersect different type of opportunities, which can then develop in other type of experiences, starting with internships, and you know, obviously Camilla can speak about that, joint research opportunities, um, funded projects. Uh, um, so educating our students is still our core mission. But there's more that we can do. Having a unit, because the Rome Center is, is a unit of our university in, in Rome, which means in Europe. Again, the office of the European um, community is literally 500 meters from our building in, in Palazzo Taverna. Um, so it's very easy to intersect opportunity. We, as an institution, are working hard to create connections. And I can name a few of them. I mean, we have established a strong connection with the Green Building Council of Italy, for example, uh, which is uh, an important association that promotes sustainability in the built environment. And it's made of uh, 600 leading companies in the country that are all working towards that goal. Uh, we have made an agreement with the, the Istituto Superiore di Sanità, the National Institute of Health. Um, thanks to this agreement, we're now able to intersect opportunities for students in the field of medicine, biomedical uh, engineering, wow. pharmacy. We just have a group of pharmacy coming in. We have connection with FAO. We have connection with uh, uh, other universities. So this network can amplify the opportunities of what we can do. But the center still remains the hub. So students can come and be in an environment which is in a certain way a friendly environment. You know, they find people who know what, where they're coming from, which are the expectations, who can support in the moment in which they get out in the, let's say, in the city and they get out from their comfort zone. But if there's a problem, we are here to support them, right? So, and I can quote just an example and uh, the experience we developed with the School of Nursing. We made an agreement with the Gemelli Hospital, which is one of the best hospitals in Europe, is the hospital of the Pope, just to give you an idea. Um, so our students would go there once a week to do their clinical experience with local students, with local physicians, uh, and they learned how different is the public health system in Italy, right, from the one in the United States. But then they would come back every other day to, the, to, their, to their facility in Palazzo Taverna, you know, which is going back to the, the home campus in a certain way. And by the way, I didn't mention that, and Rogelio knows this very well, that we are also in conversation with Roma Tre and the business school they have a very ambitious uh, program that, you know, it's innovation in entrepreneurship. And we had uh, several opportunities to discuss and to see how we can connect with them and provide opportunities also for our students. So, yes, yeah, our goal is to uh, branch out uh, and, as I said, 
amplify the opportunities while providing a base of operation for our students and our colleagues. I think what Francesco has referred to is uh, very important and right at the core of what Arkansas Global Changemakers is all about, providing students this perspective uh, from different locations on how problems that affect us all look like. So yes, it, we're very excited about all these uh, possibilities and these potential collaborations. We are looking forward to develop strong collaborations one at a time and uh, secure for our students the uh, experience that we want them to, to have in all these uh, efforts. And this takes me to, to Camila now. And last year, I think uh, you were hired as a consultant to help build the Changemakers program. Can you just, for, for reference, for context, can you tell us a little bit on uh, how you came into this project? Yes, I believe last year I started uh, developing this network on how Rome could be a hub and sort of a local branch of the Arkansas Global Changemaker. And in doing that, it was interesting to, to see the possibilities of Rome reaching out beyond, uh, beyond Italy. For me, it was easy to see how it was a hub for all that Francesco said and, and creating different perspectives between what's an important social theme in Arkansas or in the U.S., which is very relevant here, and find points of interest to explore. But also how Rome is able to reach to the other side of the Mediterranean, to reach you know, the Middle East, across Africa, and at the same time, it, it's sort of like very geographically centered. Uh, so a little piece of America in close to Piazza Navona, and we have this special geographical spot that connects Europe to Africa and to Asia in, in a very um, simple way. We concentrated, I believe, on themes that were, um, when I started brainstorming with, with you guys, on themes that were important in Arkansas at the local level and that were also important here. And so the course that now runs explores um, sustainable food, for one. Uh, urban resilience is the title of this second major theme, and then juvenile justice. Um, the sustainable food is, you know, it's the whole chain of food production from farm to fork. Uh, we've had um, experts coming in from FAO. Again, we have all the food agencies of the UN are headquartered in Rome. FAO, the International Fund for Agricultural Development, IFED, and WFP for emergency food. So it was, um, I believe, very interesting for the students to see, to get the, how should I put it, the sort of the theoretical, the academic part, um, the urban, peri-urban agriculture is also part of that theme that we explore outside the classroom. But to have glimpses and pictures and experience to be able to interview people that have worked from FAO all over the world and ask questions. And I was particularly surprised to see how quickly the students were able to uh, change perspectives and, and make quick connections between, you know, from seeing a photo of a market or a farming situation in Sri Lanka or in Mozambique or Uganda through the FAO uh, lecture to a situation they had experienced in Philadelphia or I have students from Jefferson as well in this class or in Fayetteville or in, in other places that they've been exposed to. 
So you're running this program right now. You have students in the classroom. You've built this network and they're experiencing it as we speak. Yes, the course has been running for about two months and a half. We're, we're halfway through. In as much as possible, it's structured to be outside of the classroom. So we meet once a week and, and very often we meet just outside to visit networks and partners and, and have them touch with firsthand um, experiences, social enterprises, cooperatives. Uh, we'll be taking off for a weekend long field trip um, in a few weeks from now. On the third and last theme, um, so we'll be going inside a juvenile justice detention center in Naples, interacting with oh, the wow. um, with the detainees and seeing how the system here is completely opposite of the one in the U.S. So we try to, well, first of all, we keep the kids out of jail in as much as possible, and then which we all try to do, but as in we don't even convict them or detain or or restrict their liberty for vary for an excessive long time. Um, how to re-educate young juveniles so that they're able to uh, rejoin society, you know, in a healthier way. And then from there, we'll move on to social enterprises and social cooperatives that um, have been uh, built on either buildings or villas or land that has been seized from mafia gangs and mafia bosses. And um, once it sees that it can give back to communities and organizations, grassroots organization or any organization that works for the community itself. So that's uh, where we'll be saying is social farming. It goes the whole, again, the whole chain from like social farming to vocational training, uh, to cleaning up the land, um, moving from like, you know, money laundering and garbage and nuclear garbage to producing organic jam, uh, lodging people, uh, sending little kids to play with the animals, or, or I don't know, I haven't been yet, but that's what we'll be trying to organize for the, um, for the weekend. Um, with exhibitions against, um, well, not against, against the mafia, but more in terms of raising social awareness for how to transform a community that's traditional, and land that's been traditionally mafia-infested forever. So that's one long, <laughs> that's amazing. Long that, excursion. That that is fantastic. Be I mean, safe. We'll be safe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making it very. I'm being very strict on transport. Although no, the come students home. have asked me how much time on their own they have to wander around, I was like, basically none. I can't wait for that. In Naples. The, those kids to come home. What did you do on your study abroad? Well, we we went out and fought the mafia or whatever. <laughs> No, that, that is fantastic. Yeah. What, what a great experience for our students. And you already touched on, you know, how these uh, clever minds are connecting the dots. Certainly one, one objective that we, we had with this initiative. Can you speak a little bit more on how students are responding to, so far, the experiences they have had and uh, the expectations that these other uh, experiences that they are about to have are creating, you know, how, how are students are responding to all these? They're very surprised and they're very quick at making um, comparisons, at changing perspectives on one hand, and then on the other hand, at quickly finding similarities. Like they want change um, to, to happen within, from their community. They are, the, the questions they ask, not to the guest lecturer at FAO, someone else that was a communication officer at FAO, so it was more 
political and diplomatic in their answer, they almost got angry. Like once the Microsoft mm. switched off, they, they were like, they didn't really answer. We asked, how do you, what do you do daily? How do you make change? Like I make change, I volunteer. You know, I do this against food wastage. Um, they're very, they're, they're personalizing it a lot, actually. Um, I have some that are fashion students and other that come from Walton College of Business. So the class is very uh, different. Another partner that um, we, we had is this, it's called Coloriage. And it's a um, sewing lab that is made by African refugee tailors together with uh, Italian designers. It's called the city of other economy, what it's all about fair trade. And they have a little lab and then they sell to, they make design that are not just the African clothing or the traditional clothing, but it's African clothing that comes from West Africa and then is designed together with European designers and it's mixed wool. And the fashion people, they actually asked me for the number and they were like, can we go back? I know we don't have time to do this in class again, but can we go back? I was like, you want to buy stuff? No, we want to talk to them. Mm. We want to figure out how they do the design and, and what's the experience and how can they mingle and mix something so well. Even there, they train other refugees that come in that are not tailored into tailoring so that they might have a better integration here. So they're, I would say they're personalizing it a lot. Can I ask you about that? I mean, so you've got students that are meeting organizations and, and they're becoming inspired and they're wanting to know more, which is, of course, every educator's just dream. Maybe not now, but in the future, will that create opportunities for what we in the business call high impact experiences later internships or research experiences or projects or whatever. I think so. I mean, I I also work uh, on the, I've been working for a few semesters now on the internship experience. So another thing that we'll do with global change makers, we'll have a cooking dinner experience with an organization that's uh, made up of Syrian refugees and that started from crowdfunding in someone's kitchen and that has then developed into its own um, organization. It's, it's, it's sort of not only breaking even, but being financially successful, but it's a uh, grassroots. And we run internship with them for a while. We've been doing that. So, you know, what, what's happening in global change making, we had never contacted Coloriage before as an internship opportunity. It, it just hadn't happened. But yes, the, the step to having an experience outside, an excursion and, a, and an out-of-classroom um, lecture and experience, then making the leap into a high-impact experience slash research, practical research slash internship, I can see that as a possibility because it runs. Like we're going, this semester we're going to Homestown for a class. Next semester we're, we're, they'll be hosting two interns for us. I was going to ask Francesco, does the setup of terms or uh, study periods at the Rome Center facilitate that kind of activity where a student can have the class and then maybe do something really cool like an internship like this with one of these organizations? Is that possible at the center? Well, it, it is. It's easier in the spring semester because uh, usually, you know, students uh, would like to stay for the internship over the summer. However, there's enough flexibility. In other words, it really depends on how we structure the semester. So, for example, there's a conversation. Again, it's just a conversation that is going on with our department of, you know, 
providing opportunities for students to stay like eight weeks to shorten the, mm. the stay in, in Italy. Or in the case of a program like this, uh, we might imagine, you know, the first part of the semester, you know, more for the academics and then the internship that follows. I mean, there is flexibility in order for, for the internship to be very successful. It should last, in my opinion, at least uh, five to six weeks. And again, Camilla can, can, can elaborate more on that. But yeah, I mean, we are we, we we're becoming masters of flexibility. You know, the, the, well, we you're, you're, you're so. it sounds like you're able to respond to opportunities that are cropping up. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of these high impact activities that may follow up the Arkansas Global Changemakers experience in, in Rome, how are the organizations that you're visiting responding to the interaction with our students? And are they interested in this potential development of these other activities? Yeah, they are. Depending on the organization, I mean, it's, it can be very different. So, you know, working in the, having an internship in the juvenile detention center is excluded. It's for security reasons. Having one at FAO is very different than working in a social enterprise that that's either catering food or made up by migrants or or that's um, a suing lab. So they're, they're each very specific. When I worked on the project last year, I've, I've contacted everyone um, and I'm offering, you know, a plethora of opportunities that we would be, why we would be interested in having them in our program. And they went from, you know, the one day excursion or field visit to the guest lecture to the internship. So th th that's just, I'm being a little confusing, but to say that some high impact experiences would go down um, to like maybe two days or three days full immersion on a one specific project, the research, some would do a week, some would be able to extend for eight weeks. It, it varies a lot because it's, it's so widespread, the difference of the organization and the partners that we have in the network that it can be, again, flexibility is the key word, possibly. Students are interested, and, and so are the partners in the network. Uh, well, that is fantastic, and kudos to you, Camila, for developing such a diverse oh, network, which is at the core of what we were trying to offer from the get-go, uh, so we could capture the diversity of interest that exists among our student population, for sure. One of the things that I find so interesting about this is that your the classes are made up of uh, students who have different majors and have different right. tracks of um, study. And so that inherent sort of interdisciplinary part of this, I would imagine, is pretty eye-opening. I mean, not only are the students having a fully immersive experience living abroad, yeah. but they're also uh, in class with students they wouldn't normally be in class with, even if they're from the same university. Do you see that impacting the students being around their fellow students who are studying radically different things? Absolutely. It's, uh, it's fascinating to watch the interaction. Um, and the same is true of um, global studies, the other course, not just of change makers. Both courses are very interdisciplinary and they change according to the class composition. I mean, that is true. Any, any lecturer would know that, you know, you, no matter how well you know and how long you've t taught your courses, you do change it because you have humans in front of you and it, you tailor your your course according to that specific class. But when it comes to people coming from different majors altogether, the changes is full rounded. 
I had architects the others last semester in global studies, the way they approached the papers they did, the way they approached the issue of migration, obviously urban population, population growth density was completely different. I had entire refugee centers remodeled and restructured that I was like, why does this not go to the UNHCR right now? It's a perfect project. One was a shattered airport somewhere in Germany being turned in the most cheap and efficient way to host refugees, which we could totally use right now as we speak Absolutely. with the current crisis. So, so yeah, they interchange. I mean, now between a fashion student and, uh, and the economic, any discussion, you know, the fashion student would be like, fashion industry pollutes a lot. And the, and the business student would be like, ah, oh, but you have to consider the cost of this and that. And, and mm. it's um, the exchange between them and also the feedback that they give to, to us and the lecturers. It's, um, it's pretty interesting. It's a unique experience. And if I may add, I would say that is the nature of the Rome Center, which potentially can uh, no, enhance this notion of interdisciplinarity. The fact that we are as a relative small unit, no? you know, students come from a campus, which is what, 30,000 students. Mm -hmm. it's, right. it's a small city. And they tend to live and work in the in their own uh, no, buildings, always surrounded by people who study the same discipline. And this is probably the same all over the world in big universities. It's probably the same in Sapienza and and in Roma 3. So nothing different. But once you are in a in a in a in a again relatively small community, I just saw. I, I remember you know we were, we organized trips for students, now optional tours, uh, optional trips. And um, I was on the train on one of these tours, the one that always we go to the Dolomites, which is one, becoming very popular. And I was just looking at this group of four students, uh, two from nursing, one from architecture, one from interior design, and just the, the conversation that was, you know, happening uh, made me think, oh, next time I would like to run a studio for the architects that has a, a medical focus while the nursing students are here, you know, because you put them in the same room and suddenly they inform each other about their own needs, right? Because otherwise architects end up designing the nursing facility as they like. Right. And, <laughs> and, and they don't know how that facility should work. So, so I think really this is a distinct characteristic of, of a study abroad program like ours. This becomes a natural melting pot. And the fact that we have students from different universities, from different parts of the United States, adds another level of complexity, if you will, but also richness. No? Because a student who comes from the Northeast is definitely different from a student who comes from the Southeast. It really sounds like the Changemakers program that Camilla is running creates those opportunities, creates those those intersections in a very organic way. Yeah, it, it is true of the Rome Center that uh, creates it together, but I had never had architecture student or fashion students before the global studies, if they were all from Fulbright. Um, this is maybe because it clicks for them or, especially for global change makers, I've literally had someone come in exceptionally after registration was closed. I don't know how it was thanks to, again, the flexibility of the Rome Center and back home because the interest they showed was up to the last minute, literally. So you've had success in the first round. How do you, how do you build on that? How do you, because it's a, it's a different model than students are used to. And you, you've said that once they're in it, they, they get it. 
They make the most of it. Mm -hmm. They learn from it. So how do you convince the next cohort to come in and say, yeah, let's try this. This is going to be good for us, no matter what we're studying. Hmm. Yeah, that's a hard question. I mean, <laughs> first of all, you know, we're, we're barely through midterm week um, as we speak. Right. So I don't know. I'm a little cautious when I define my own success, but thank you. I mean, so it's far, gone so well. Good. How about that? Far. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, are, well let me ask it this way. Are, are your students, are they writing things? Are they producing things that you can use to showcase this experience? Mm. Yeah, they did. They, they, they start producing one first sort of blog entry. And uh, I don't know if I, because the idea was to have them produce a final sort of paper paper, but they're show, again, for showcase and for our own records, but they're showing so much interest in being outside and getting involved that as a final, um, uh, for now I posted a discussion board and I want to see the interaction there. Um, depending on how that goes, I wanted to, we've discussed this briefly with Francesco, but I, I would have liked to um, organize a cleaning event. There's an organization that's called Retake that does, um, how should I put it, civic engagement to clean up the city or areas of the city. So it helps citizens that call them up to provide like organic things to take the graffiti off the wall. Uh, provides material, provides like water pumps or whatever, and just organize gloves and whatever else is needed. So I wanted like the global change makers, which are few, the students, to maybe drag the other students, get the other students involved and have a final event of, you know, clean up the area on Via de Goronai or something around the university center as a final project. So the global change makers leading the way to this, um, to this change. Would that work? Yeah, that's a very important thing, and that's that's connects with that buzzword floating around in our circles known as service learning, which is a, a really big deal on, on the U of A campus and something that students really respond to. And so you're you're sort of leading them into a very meaningful service project. That would leave us with no paper to showcase. <laughs> well, if we could get if we could get some of this on film, you know, I think that yes. would that would do a lot. That's the epiphany that I'm having. Yeah. Yeah, film it on your phone. Yeah, get some and, iPhones out, yeah. Uh, and if, Absolutely. I mean, this is, this is because I'm always thinking audio, but record some of what they're saying. Um, we might even be able to put it in a podcast. Oh, wow. That was Camilla Lai, adjunct professor in political science at the University of Arkansas and global studies faculty member at the University of Arkansas Rome Center. She's currently running the Global Changemakers Experience in Rome. We were also joined by Francesco Badeschi, director of the University of Arkansas Rome Center. Points of Departure is a production of KUAF in coordination with the Arkansas Global Changemakers. You can listen to this podcast for free at KUAF.com, and you can subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. <laughs>